The following podcast will contain spoilers along with unfettered feelings of nostalgia. Proceed at your own risk. Here it is, folks. Fly a kite and pick a fight. It's time for Event or Else, the podcast where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event one issue at a time so you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and we're back once again to talk about Marvel superheroes' Secret Wars. This week we're looking at issue number four, and it's entitled Situation Hopeless. This issue was published by Marvel Comics in August of 1984, and it was written by Jim Shooter, with pencils by Bob Layton, inks by John Beatty, letters by Joe Rosen, and colors by Christy Scheel. The issue opens with Hero Base just getting all kinds of blowed up. The villains search the wreckage for signs of survivors, but they're hoping for signs of non-survivors, meaning dead folk. Basically, they just want to know if they killed the heroes or not. Unfortunately for the villains, they find neither survivors nor corpses, for our heroes have managed to escape. Molecule Man and Volcana continue to bond. She finds it most impressive that he destroyed Hero Base with just a wave of his hand. He tells her it's easy when you have control over all molecules. He also tells her to call him Owen, and she thinks the name is just darling. Meanwhile, Dr. Octopus, using a special pair of glasses designed to detect movement, finds the heroes regrouping five miles away. Titania grabs up a house-sized bit of rubble and hurls it at the heroes. The Wrecker and his wrecking crew follow suit, just with much smaller bits of rubble. The Absorbing Man tries to rally the villains to give chase, but Molecule Man points out that none of that is necessary, and by using his mastery over all molecules, he lifts a distant mountain range into the air, which he plans on dropping atop the heroes. We meet up with the heroes who are battered and bruised. The Hulk is carrying Spider-Man, She-Hulk, Ben Grimm, and Reed Richards. Iron Man is carrying Captain Marvel. All five of the heroes are unconscious. Spider-Man wakes, however, pulled out of his healing slumber by his spider sense, alerting him to danger from above. He warns the others, and we see that bit of house-sized rubble streaking their way through the air. Normally, this is something the Hulk would handle, but with his hands full, he's fairly useless. So Hawkeye steps up and fires an explosive arrow at the rubble, splitting it in half. Iron Man, without dropping Captain Marvel, manages to fire his repulsor beams and deflect the fragments to either side of them so that they don't fall on top of everybody. With that danger past, Captain America tries to keep them moving when suddenly a mountain range drops on top of them, killing them all dead. The villains rejoice. Elsewhere on the planet, Thor is chilling with the Enchantress in a flower garden, and he asks her what she'd want if she wins the Beyonders prize. She would ask for Thor's love, which is all she's ever wanted, and has often, she admits, tried to seize by force or trickery. Thor tells her that love is not something you seize or steal. It must be given. So she asks him if he could ever truly give her his love, and he has no answer. She asks for his kiss, but before he can make his choice, to kiss or not to kiss, they're hit by a sudden earthquake that's over as quickly as it starts. They realize they can no longer stay there on the other side of Battleworld, that they need to return to Hero Base. 
and so Enchantress, using her magic, speeds them on their way. Of course, when they arrive, they find nothing but rubble and villains. Thor holds his own against the villains until Doom sets Ultron after him. Ultron blasts away using the disintegrator beam Doom has installed on him, and it doesn't take long before Ultron blasts Thor into nothingness, leaving behind only his helmet and scraps of cape. The villains rejoice once again because they believe now that they have won. But Doom reminds them that Magneto and the X-Men are still out there, along with Galactus, who may also pose a problem. He also reminds them that one of them tried to kill him. In fact, he proclaims, it was Kang the Conqueror who did the deed. Kang tries to stammer out a defense, but it's no good as Doom has Ultron disintegrate him. Then, as the villains leave to return to Doom Base, someone watches from the shadows. We see only his arm, but it sure as heck looks a lot like Thor's. At that moment, many hundreds of miles distant, a strange aircraft soars above the alien landscape. On board are the X-Men on their way to see Magneto. As they travel, Colossus misses Kitty Pride, fellow X-Men, and his girlfriend back home. Rogue contemplates her not-too-distant past when she was a villain and wonders if push comes to shove, if her life depended on it, would she abandon her new friends and take up the villain life once again? And then Nightcrawler asks Wolverine the question we've all been asking. Why does he keep popping his claws? Wolverine basically tells him that he spends all of his time holding back, keeping the animal inside him in check. But now they are at war. Maybe the last war, and he ain't taking no prisoners, no matter what Professor X thinks. I don't know, just seems like a silly way to justify him just always having his claws out. When they arrive at Magneto's fortress, Magneto is using his awesome powers of magnetism to pull metallic particles from the air and fuse them together into a comb for the wasp. Professor X proposes that Magneto join forces with them, and Magneto just goes all in on his plan, stating that they just basically need to kill everybody, the heroes and the villains, so that they can win the prize or the power they need to turn Earth into a paradise where humans and mutants live together in harmony. And if anyone stands in their way, they too must die. The Wasp uses that moment to reveal that she was just faking it with Magneto the whole time, just to see what he was up to. And now that she knows, she's gonna go tell the others. The X-Men try to stop her from escaping, but just like with Spider-Man, they are made to look like a bunch of fools. Apparently, they just can't get it together against bug-based powers. Meanwhile, far away where a newly planted mountain range rises from the planet's crust, while dust still settles on the surface, deep beneath billions of tons of stone, we find our heroes, who have survived having a mountain range dropped on top of them, thanks to the Hulk and Iron Man, who wedged out a space beneath them as the mountains were falling, to keep them from being squished. And now, it's all up to the Hulk's back, which thanks to a bit of leverage, is holding up the entire mountain range. But he's not going to last long, so they wake Reed, who immediately comes up with the plan. He goes full MacGyver and takes components from Hawkeye's trick arrows, Spider-Man's web shooters, and Iron Man's armor to create a device that will store up and convert the energy from Captain Marvel and the Human Torch and use that energy to fire a powerful beam from Iron Man to bore through the rock and escape from their stony tomb. They find Thor waiting for them on the surface, reunited, and it feels so good. 
At that point, Captain America sends Captain Marvel off to find them a place to rest and heal. Captain Marvel zooms all over the place at the speed of light and settles upon a rustic alien village for the heroes. The problem with the place is that it's at the foot of the mountain that Galactus is standing on, meaning that the heroes will have to recuperate in the shadow of the World Devourer. I mean, that seems like a poor choice, right? Well, it isn't, which is proven once they arrive, when a mystical alien healer shows up and begins healing their injuries right away. Gianni finds the healer quite attractive, and because he is who he is, begins hitting on her right away. As she's laying hands on him to commence with the healing, she says something indecipherable in her alien language, and Johnny responds with, Yeah, same to you, gorgeous. Wow, I think I'm in love. Baby, I'll tumble for you. Now, if you're not aware, I'll Tumble For Ya was a popular song in the 80s by the English musical group Culture Club, and they even spelled out the title of the song in the book. For those of you not watching the video, that means that they used the number four instead of the word for, F-O-R, when Johnny said, I'll Tumble For Ya. You can't see me right now, but I am shaking my head. As the issue ends, Ben and Reed are outside talking. Ben's worried about being in the shadow of Galactus, and as he's voicing his concern, he changes back into the thing. This, of course, freaks him out. He's never been able to change back and forth, and what's more frustrating is that now that he can, he can't seem to control it. He asks Reed why it's happening, and Reed has no answers, though he does have suspicions. He's just keeping those to himself. As the thing goes off to be alone with his thoughts, Galactus suddenly throws his hands into the air. He does not, however, wave them like he just doesn't care. Instead, he stands with his arms raised as if he's praising the sky. Reed finds this rather alarming, and we end the issue with Reed shouting out, Oh, no, no! And with our story now told, it's time for the top three things to dwell on. The top three things to dwell on are three moments in the book that I feel need to be given just a bit more thought. They might be funny moments. They might be stupid moments. They could even be moments of serious drama that make me feel a little something in my heart. Regardless, they're moments that I think are worth the time to revisit. Thing to dwell on number three, has Reed had enough of the Hulk? When our heroes are trapped under the mountain and Reed was putting his plan into motion, he comments on how wonderfully sophisticated and technologically advanced Iron Man's armor is. The Hulk doesn't take this too well. Shut up, Richards. I'm tired of hearing about how brilliant you are. And now how brilliant Stark is. Do you hear me? The dumb brute who's buying you this time is fed up with that garbage. Reed, at this point, appears as if he's done taking any more of the Hulk's crap. I see. Well, that's the kind of self-pitying mewling we expect from you, Hulk. Or Dr. Banner, or whoever you are. But you're correct. You are a brute. So keep using that muscle. That's all you're good for. We learn a bit later, of course, that Reed wasn't really upset. He was just trying to make the Hulk angry. See, he knows that the madder the Hulk gets, the stronger he gets. And with all that weight being held up by just the Hulk's back, Reed felt that they needed a bit of an edge to get them through it. Later, he does apologize to the Hulk, who accepts the apology, and everything is okay once more in superhero land. Thing to dwell on number two, Thor kicks all kinds of butt. When Thor and the Enchantress come back from their little talk, and he finds himself standing in the ruins of his base, 
no friends to be found, and surrounded by the likes of the Absorbing Man, Molecule Man, the Wrecker and his wrecking crew, Ultron and Doctor Doom, you would think he'd want to beat a hasty retreat. I mean, I know I would. But no, not Thor. No, instead, he cranks his arrogance up to 11 and lets it rip. Doom, he shouts, pointing his hammer at the armored villain. Where are my comrades? What have you done with them? I want answers. Speak quickly. The conversation quickly devolves from there, and Thor soon finds himself going toe-to-toe with the villains, and he holds his own. There's even a great moment where Titania punches him in the stomach, announcing that she will be known as the woman who killed Thor with her bare hands. Thor, however, has other plans, and he just simply tosses her off into the distance. And then, when it seems like the villains have him on the ropes, when he's been pulled to the ground, and Dr. Octopus, the absorbing man and the wrecker, begin beating on him, Thor disperses them easily with a whack of his hammer to the ground as he shouts, Away, varlet! Thy touch offends me! Of course, in the end, he has to use trickery to escape unharmed. When Ultron fires his disintegrator ray at him, Thor uses a bolt of lightning to hide his escape, leaving the villains to think that they have killed him. Still, I'm fairly certain that this was the scene that made my 12-year-old self into a huge Thor fan back in 1984. And I've never looked back. Thing to dwell on number one. Seriously, Jim, what the hell? After the heroes have escaped the destruction of their base and Titania tosses that massive house-sized bit of rubble at them, and after Hawkeye uses a trick arrow to split it in half, and after Iron Man, who is carrying an unconscious Captain Marvel in his arms, manages to blast those two halves to either side of the group, saving them from being squashed, the Hulk gives Iron Man props for saving them without dropping Captain Marvel. Iron Man responds to the Hulk's compliment by saying, I'd never drop talent like this, my man. (sighs) Now, I'm not sure if I've talked about this yet or not, but Iron Man at this point in the comics is not Tony Stark. He's James Rhodes. See, this is when we discovered that Tony Stark was an alcoholic, and by this point, he'd let himself be taken over by the drink, and so Rhodey had to step up and don the armor. I mention this because I really dislike how Jim Shooter writes Rhodey, as if he's some kind of horned-out lady chaser, and this is just one of the examples. Referring to women as talent, I've never liked that. It turns my stomach, and for Jim Shooter to make Rhodey into one of those guys for this book, it makes me sad. I don't remember him being like this in the Iron Man books. I mean, maybe he was, and I've just forgotten, but regardless... It's a tasteless line, and it only manages to ruin the moment entirely. Seriously, Jim, what the hell? And those were the top three things to dwell on. So now we come to that time in the show where I wrap it all up and tell you how I feel about the book in general. First, of course, I can't end this episode without saying something about the art. We get a change up here from Mike Zeck to Bob Layton. Now, I got nothing bad to say about Bob Layton. I think he's a fine artist, and had he drawn the entire book, I would have been fine with the choice. But going from Mike Zeck in one issue to Bob Layton in another, it's really quite jarring. Their art styles are different enough from each other that you can't help but feel let down by the look of everything changing. Despite that, this is actually one of my favorite issues from the series. Thor holding his own for a bit, 
against all of the villains and the Hulk holding a mountain range on his back. Those are just some great comic book moments. Unfortunately, four issues in, and we still have a number of characters that really aren't doing much. Rogue, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Hawkeye, just to name a few. But really, it's those few in the X-Men. It's just Jim is writing the X-Men like they're one person. As, as long as the group does something, then I guess in his mind, he's good. I know it's not easy to juggle this many characters. I get it. But there are times when I wonder why some of them were even included in this book. But really, we still have eight more issues to go. Plenty of time for some of these folks to have a chance to shine. Until then, join us back here next time as we attempt to answer the question, just what is Galactus up to? That's coming at you next week in episode number five, The Battle of Four Armies. Be there or the next one is free. Yeah, that joke's getting a bit old. Event or Else is a presentation of the Just Another Fanboy podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash stevenroar and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show where I talk about all the nerdy type things I don't have time to talk about in all my other podcast episodes. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share the podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. All right, I love new clothes. I'll see you later.